Troy Nessner, a student, amateur historian, and an avid superhero fan. I was once told that historians are like private detectives, looking for clues in old newspapers, letters, books, interviews, and everywhere else they can search. And if Fred told me this sounded a lot like Batman, and I love the analogy. I love the analogy so much I decided to use this idea of the summer blockbuster franchise team-up as a framework for this podcast. And so today, on South Texas Stories, I'll be talking to Dr. Mark Robbins about local history advocacy, celebration, and preservation, and the eventual team-up with other local historians, archaeologists, and local history groups in the area for Community Archaeological Dig and Oral History Project at Artesian Park. You know, a key thing I've left out of that story is this park's history is really contested. It's really controversial. It's at the crosshairs of themes of discrimination and who controls the historical narrative of the city. And um, we found that this, this project didn't silence that. It just collaborated to help bring that out. And, um, you know, isn't going to change things in and of itself. But I felt it was like a good um, indicator of a methodology that could really be useful and, and, and impactful. But before we get to that, we must introduce our hero for today's podcast, Dr. Mark Robbins. To me, Dr. Robbins is one of these history detectives, a real-life Batman, minus the fighting. He's trained in multiple areas of history, but who better to introduce himself than him? And I went to the University of Michigan and majored in history, minored in anthropology and in applied statistics. And then uh, I did my master's and PhD in history at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, where I met my wife, uh, Dr. Christine Reiser Robbins, uh, who's an historical archeologist. Uh, professionally, I should mention some of the areas that I focus on are um, labor history. I'm trained in labor history and cultural history, social and cultural history. Um, I'd like to say that I look at the political implications of that, even though my training really isn't in political history. Uh, you kind of have to grasp that as best as you can with whatever project you have. And then since being here in Corpus Christi, I've um, kind of become an oral historian as well. And I've done a lot of oral history work, a lot of collaboration in that regard with members of the community and uh, other uh, people at Del Mar or other institutions like Texas A&M Corpus Christi, for instance, and um, incorporated that into my own scholarship. When too. I interviewed Dr. Robbins in September of 2020, I had to imagine the tables felt flipped as Dr. Robbins is usually the one doing the interviewing. He's done a lot of collaborations and we'll hear him discuss some of these efforts and how they can culminate into one big project with multiple people from different fields. And this, I too am reminded of the superhero comics and their big team-ups. We also see how different strengths and skills can complement each other and deliver something truly inspiring. And he found this sort of collaboration when he ended up in Corpus Christi, Texas. And of course I'm from Michigan and I had spent some time uh, living at some other places. Uh, when I did historical research, I was in California for a little while, Illinois for a little while, even for a short time in Florida. Uh, pop into D.C. a bit, and I also, uh, at various points, uh, spent time uh, in Botswana uh, since I was with my father and my mother there growing up um, at, at times, especially when I was a baby. 
so yeah, Texas is pretty far from each of those locations. And I don't actually have any family in Texas either. Um, so uh, basically it was the job. I wanted it to be somewhere that valued research, but also valued teaching. And ideally that saw a significant relationship between that. And I do think for the most part, I experienced that among the faculty uh, that I was exposed to at Brown University. And I think that sort of model um, really did apply at uh, particularly community colleges. But Del Mar uh, also seemed to have faculty in its social sciences department that executed that model so well and so seamlessly and so passionately and naturally. And I could tell this um, particularly when I uh, went on the interview and uh, was exposed to some of the other faculty that, that, that are just wonderful teachers and active researchers and blended these things together like, you know, Dr. Uh, Jim Klein and, and Brian Stone and, and um, a number of the others that I had a chance to meet at that time. Uh, so that kind of, that was an, uh, alluring to me. Um, the combination of employment in the field that I wanted to work in, and it not just being any job, but a job that uh, involved some people that I could, I had already admired just in meeting them, thinking that this could be the kind of place that would bring out the best in me professionally, and that that would allow me to hopefully uh, help students bring out the best in them and what history maybe could do for them, even if they're not even a, mystery, a history major. So Dr. Robbins made it to South Texas and is working at Del Mar College now. We've been briefly introduced to Dr. Jim Klein and Brian Stone, history professors at Del Mar College. And just like some of the smarter superheroes who learn everything about the field they're in or the opponent they're researching, Dr. Robbins tackles South Texas history. The sense of that is Texas history, this sort of larger than life narrative with uh, some reality, some myths, some in between. But in terms of any detail, um, not a whole lot. Um, and I did know, however, that I was passionate about the idea of learning local history and uh, incorporating that. I knew it wouldn't happen overnight. You kind of do a little bit at a time. And I knew that I had a solid framework for how to go about that. Uh, but I did spend a lot of time in the summer before I started teaching, um, really delving into that process. But I can say that no amount of books, uh, and I say this with a lot of love with, for books and how much I've learned from them in regards to local history, or even just the framework that I'd understand that, but none of that could compare to just the process of talking to people and listening, of course, with an historian's ear, uh, but talking to people, um, listening to those who have been studying local history, whether or not they're officially you know, historians and in, in, in the sort of higher education sense uh, and, and learning from them. And Dr. Robbins really immersed himself into the history of the area. And in doing so, he was introduced to some of the local groups that specialize in local history, groups that would come into play and help with the Artesian Park project. Uh, Jim Klein, uh, another history faculty member, he had joined the Landmark Commission about a year prior to when I did. And I was talking to him and he encouraged me to uh, consider it. And I did. And at the time, I kind of looked at it as I'm, I'm, I'm a student of Nueces County history, history of Corpus Christi, I have a lot to learn. 
but I can contribute the mindset of what uh, an historian, and I was one of the official, you know, historians on there, well, on the commission at that time was uh, a, a, um, somebody I admire very much and uh, a friend, uh, Anita Eisenhower. Anita had talked to me and said, hey, you know, you ought to come uh, if you're interested in these things and uh, you ought to come to the Nueces County Historical Commission. And so she talked to me a little bit about that and talked to Jim Klein as well. And uh, we showed up. And when we were there, we got to meet all sorts of other people with so much knowledge of the local community and so much passion for it and just doing all these great things. I mean, that was one thing that struck me too, is these are folks who aren't just, and I don't mean just, this is great sitting around talking about history. They're out there. They're trying to put up that next historical marker that they think could help us learn something about our local heritage as, as people. They're out there putting on a public history event. Uh, they're out there thinking about how we can best preserve the oftentimes scarce historical resources we have and, and uh, just dedicated with uh, so much of whatever free time they have. And uh, I, I believe that I, Jim and I were both uh, officially um, uh, invited to the commission. We've introduced the key players, Dr. Mark Robbins, our hero, Dr. Jim Klein, Dr. Christine Reiser Robbins, and the members of the Noises County Historical Commission. Each person and organization has its own strengths and weaknesses, and they build off one another to fill in those gaps. When I interviewed Dr. Robbins for this oral history project, I took the opportunity to ask him if he's ever broke any of the conventional rules of interviewing or had any interesting techniques. He described to me one such event, a style that we would see used again at Artesian Park, a technique that utilizes the best space for the comfort of the interviewee, even if the space is loud and crowded. Once I actually took an oral history at Whataburger at like a pretty peak time, and I'm, I'm a firm believer you want it to be somewhere that makes somebody comfortable, produces the most enriching, free-flowing memories, but also maybe even a space that helps to contribute to the production of those memories. And I thought, hey, I love Whataburger too. <laughs> you know, that makes sense to me. Artesian Park is a site of a multidiscipline project between oral historians, archaeologists, students, the Nueces County Historical Commission, and members of the community. That's because I'd mentioned that my wife is an historical archaeologist. And um, back in 2012, we, along with uh, Eric Ray, who was at the time a, um, uh, a researcher on the LaBelle collection, um, Chipwreck collection at the Museum of Science and History at Corpus Christi, later became um, a the curator at the Museum of the Coastal Bend and now works uh, for Texas Parks and Rec. Anyway, at the time, we were all sort of uh, talking about public history, and we decided to do a archaeological, a, a public archaeology project at Artesian Park. This is a site of um, where Taylor's troops on the eve of the U.S.-Mexican War, uh, Zachary Taylor's troops dug an artesian well. It smelled like rotten eggs. Sulfur well, then you know there's a whole uh, mythology that goes with that, as well as the history. Um, so a big part of Corpus Christi's claim to national historical significance is this is the place of Taylor's encampment on the eve of the U.S.-Mexican War. So it's that, but also Artesian Park was really the public square for um, over a hundred years. It's one of the oldest city parks in Texas, 
So what a great place to learn about periods where we do have documents, but sometimes archaeology, uh, the artifacts, tell us stories that our documents don't or add additional context to them. The project doesn't end there, though. It grows larger and gains more support from the community. But why stop there? Um, so we invited the public to come help us dig. This is, this is what I mean with that symbiotic relationship between community and research and teaching. Um, we all collectively analyze our past together as a community. In Oasis County Historical Commission, they came out, they did everything from help teach people about history to you know, set up tables with displays along with us to uh, just picking up a shovel and helping people scrape properly in the holes, in the pits, I should, I should use the real language, right? Um, <laughs> so we're doing that and members of the public, you know, hundreds of people all told are turning out and anybody from a Boy Scout working on archeology span merit badge to some of the uh, homeless population in downtown Corpus Christi um, helping us find artifacts in the sit. I had a bunch of students out there and then they also did some oral history interviews and this archeology span project that was also an oral history project. And the idea is that if we are discovering and trying to unearth aspects of our material past in our public square at Artesian Park, or at least which had been. This was a place of everything from war bond rallies to um, politicians would go there to speak before the age of television and you know, many other things. And also a place that symbolizes a lot of the struggles of downtown Corpus Christi. So we're all sort of working together to, to carefully and responsibly, but collaboratively dig that up, not just the experts in some ivory tower. And my students are doing that too. Well, a number of them picked up uh, recorders or even just did a form of oral history that's sort of at the edges of it too, of just writing down recollections and putting them in there because at the time I couldn't afford enough recorders. Um, and we're doing this on like a shoestring budget. You know, basically we bought water and we already had supplies and for archeology. span but there's something methodologically connected about archaeology and oral history, public archaeology and, and historical archaeology, I should say, and, and oral history. Here we have two sort of methodologies that yield voices that are often left out of the official historical record that capture day-to-day -day life. Dr. Robin's recollection of the events feels like the reminiscing of my favorite superhero comics and movies when the superheroes are all finally together, working to defeat the bad guys, save the city, or in our case, bring the community together in a meaningful way that explores the history of our community. And not only that, the effort contributes to the scholarship as a Dr. Robbins wrote on the subject. And so there again, we wrote an article on this, even though this wasn't like the main purpose of it, it just was sort of like, hey, let's listen to what we're actually learning from this. Not just what we theorized, but what we're learning additionally from that and share that with people, how this led to so much community collaboration. It was polyvocal, had a lot of different voices, and these two methodologies of archaeology and oral history work very well for, for, um, for, for community engagement and scholarly purposes. Um, and there again, you have my students, you have Christine's students, you have uh, members of the County Historical Commission, You've got uh, people from the Coastal Bend Archaeological Society helping too with, with some of their expertise in case we got overwhelmed with numbers. Kids, adults, just people who came out because we had it in the, you know, it was on the, in the 
featured in the Color Times. All the people who contributed to the Artesian Park project are heroes in my mind. Not the made-up variety in capes, but the often overlooked type. The type who work long hours, with limited budgets, digging up history, taking interviews, learning everything they can about an area to make sure that every voice is heard. Their effort to give voice to those who history has sometimes overlooked or actively silenced is a work of real heroes. And all the people who came out on their free time to create, organize, and contribute to the Artesian Park project deserve our gratitude for enriching our community and moving us incrementally closer to our real history where every voice is heard and the tapestry is seen in full. I'm Troy Nessner, and you've been listening to South Texas Stories.